Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, tedhart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. Hey, good afternoon, and you are live here with the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, we are here in the nation's capital. Uh, it is Tuesday, November 2nd, uh, and it's my pleasure to welcome you here on the Nonprofit Coach on an all-important election day here in the United States. So make sure that you get out and vote. It does matter who you vote for, and certainly here in the charitable sector, we uh, are uh, often uh, at uh, uh, under the uh, scrutiny of Congress, and so who is in uh, charge in Congress does matter. Uh, as always, we start off with page one. <laughs> great show for you uh, here today. Don't forget you can call in and ask a question of our page two expert today, who is Steve Delphin, the President and Chief Executive Officer of America's Charity and a nationally recognized expert in workplace giving. You can call in to 347-324-3080 when we get to page two. Uh, as always, we're over in the chat room, and I can see people starting to arrive over in the chat room, and if you're shy, you can email me questions today at tedhart at tedhart.com. First up here on page one uh, is certainly privacy is an issue uh, on the Internet. You'll find over at tedhartradio.com. Click on the radio links and you will find a link today that comes to us from Newsweek, and this is an explanation of what the Internet knows about you. Imagine what a company uh, could use the Internet to rate your health, your employability, even your dating appeal. Uh, welcome to your credit score uh, of the future uh, using uh, the Internet. So lots of information that's available to you, uh, available to others because of social media. The question is, how do we as nonprofit organizations appropriately build that sense of community, uh, appropriately reach out to uh, our supporters, uh, and at the same time, remain respectful uh, of the information that they are providing uh, via the, uh, the web. Next up here on uh, the nonprofit coach on, uh, in, over in the radio links uh, is uh, information about the top 20 nonprofit groups uh, that are currently using Twitter. Um, this is a very, very interesting list. Uh, number one uh, in terms of, uh, and this is rated by uh, the number of followers uh, that you have over on, uh, uh, over on Twitter. 
Uh, and number one, as you will see over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. And of course, you can click on the radio links today to see this entire list yourself. Uh, and that is uh, Charity Water. At Charity Water has 1.3 million uh, followers over on uh, Twitter. Uh, and uh, our good friends over at the Gates Foundation and the One Campaign uh, do very well with over 400,000 followers over on Twitter. As I said, it's very important that you get out uh, and, uh, and vote today. Uh, and uh, if you've not had an opportunity to do that, uh, we do have an article here in the radio links from the Chronicle of Philanthropy uh, that reminds us that congressional oversight of nonprofits is very important. Uh, it does look uh, like the Republicans may have a good day today, which means that uh, uh, we may see a shift both uh, uh, in the House and possibly in the Senate. Who will be in those oversight seats? Who will be the chairs of those finance committees that will be overseeing uh, us for the next couple of years? Read all about this. It's a very well-written article. Uh, as uh, voters prepare to go to the polls today, uh, what will be the shift in congressional oversight? And that comes to us from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, I do want to uh, uh, bring in a friend of ours uh, from uh, the nonprofit, uh, uh, from the, the group Bloom Spot. I'm just uh, w watching the uh, the switchboard here to make sure that uh, I bring Liz Emily Smith. I'm sorry, uh, into uh, the nonprofit coach today. Uh, she uh, is here to speak to us about community circles. Uh, Emily, are you with us today? Yeah, we're having a little bit of trouble with our switchboard, so Emily, hang in there. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is a uh, link over in the, uh, the uh, radio links today uh, for uh, where you can find your polling place. So if you're having uh, trouble knowing where to, uh, uh, to vote today, have no fear. Uh, we've uh, placed a link over in the radio links today so that you can find your local uh, polling place. Again, uh, I do believe it matters that you vote. I do believe that uh, uh, in many cases it matters who is in office. Uh, so uh, today is the day that it's time to stand up uh, and, uh, and to be counted. Uh, whatever your position is, make sure that it counts uh, today uh, uh, here in the United States is Election Day. Uh, just watching our, our switchboard again here to uh, try to bring uh, Emily into, uh, into the show here. Emily, hang tight there. Uh, we're going to try to get you over here uh, in the Nonprofit Coach. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, again, don't forget you can uh, call in and ask a question of our page two expert today. Uh, that is Steve Delton uh, at 347-324-3080. And today our topic will be uh, uh, workplace giving. So don't miss the opportunity uh, to learn from one of this nation's experts on workplace giving, and that is uh, Steve Delphin, who will be our page two uh, expert today. Uh, over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, uh, you will find uh, a, a link to the Classy Awards. This is the second annual uh, Classy Awards. As they say, the uh, movies uh, have uh, the Oscars and uh, Broadway has the Tonys, uh, and now the philanthropic community has the Classies. And we were very pleased, as you uh, heard on our last show that uh, uh, tedhart.com uh, was chosen as the Washington, D.C. winner uh, for Philanthropic Business of the Year uh, by the Classy Awards. So we're very pleased uh, to uh, represent uh, the uh, uh, Washington, D.C. area as the national voting is underway. Uh, we've provided you a link today over in uh, the uh, radio link so that you can uh, vote today, and hopefully you'll vote for us. Lots of fine folks who have been nominated in a variety of different categories. So you know while you're going to the polls and you're, you're voting for your uh, favorite uh, congressional and local candidates, uh, why not take the opportunity to also vote uh, for some fine philanthropic folks who are involved in all sorts of different activities around uh, this country. And you don't have to be uh, in one of the cities that are being recognized 
by, uh, by the classes this year. This is national voting. Uh, and in fact, anybody who is listening to the nonprofit coach today uh, can vote in the classes. Uh, we've highlighted that for you uh, over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, so you won't have any trouble uh, finding that uh, uh, over in the radio links today. Again, don't forget uh, that you'll be able to call in and ask a question of our page two expert uh, at 347-324-3080. As always, we're also over in uh, the chat room, so you can uh, join us over in the chat room today. Uh, and uh, uh, you can also email us if you're shy at tedhartradio.com. Uh, dot com. You know, I, one of the things I, I'm noticing here, and it's part of the, the issue that we're having, is I think uh, that our good folks, because it's Election Day, uh, at Blog Talk Radio, uh, who do host us uh, here for the nonprofit coach, I think they're having some server issues, and that's part of the reason uh, why Emily Smith is having trouble uh, getting here in on the show. So I'm going to give uh, uh, give it a try again here and see is uh, Emily, are you joining us here from Bloom Spot on the nonprofit coach? Hi, Ted. Yes. Can you hear me? Emily, finally, I was stretching there a little bit because I was noticing that they had server issues uh, over at Blog Talk Radio. You are now live here on the Nonprofit Coach. I appreciate you coming here on page one uh, to give us a little bit of news about what's happening at Bloom Spot with Community Circles. Absolutely, yeah. It's my pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Um, so Bloom Spot is a flash sale site that provides local discounted offers to quality restaurants, hotels, spas, and other experiences in cities around the U.S. And what Community Circles is, is really a way for our users to give back and support local nonprofits as they purchase things on BloomSpot. Um, so how it works, if I can just give a brief overview, is any nonprofit can start what we call a Community Circle on BloomSpot. Um, anyone can join their circle to support their cause, and from that point on, whenever anyone in their circle purchases something on BloomSpot, we'll automatically donate 10% back to that nonprofit. So right now we're supporting about 150 organizations. We've donated almost $100,000 to our partners, um, and it's, it's been highly successful and a great kind of grassroots fundraising tool for a lot of local charities to kind of use and leverage through their different social media channels. Well, that's terrific. Now, uh, I, I, I see that uh, as uh, our listeners go to bloomspot.com, um, I see that uh, you're, you're featured in San Francisco, L.A., New York, D.C., and Boston. Uh, do charities need to be in those cities to be able to use Bloomspot or, or to have a chance of, uh, of ben being benefited by this group? That's a great question, and, and no, they don't. Um, they're it's relevant to supporters in those cities because they'll be getting um, features related to those cities, but the actual nonprofit can be located anywhere. We support international organizations like Kiva, which is kind of global in reach, obviously, um, and local organizations in different cities. If they have supporters um, in any of the cities that we operate, it, it's still beneficial, and we're growing into more cities, so hopefully it will be more and more relevant. So what's the what's the key here? Businesses choose uh, to be supportive, and then uh, uh, donations are made to charities that become part of your network, uh, or is it the other way around that uh, donors choose a charity? How, wh wh which direction do those donations go in? So it's it's all Bloomspot who is making the donations. So the businesses that we feature aren't actually making donations. Um, we partner with the charities directly. Um, anyone who wants to kind of use this as a fundraising tool can just contact us. Um, we set up their circle. Um, they're free to kind of share it with anyone who wants to get them on We also feature um, our partner organizations on our circle homepage, which is Bloomspot backslash circles. Um, and so from that point on, kind of Bloomspot supports the charities directly. Um, and the support, and any user on Bloomspot can choose which nonprofit they'd like to support. 
Well, that's uh, that's great, and and uh, it, it seems to me, Emily, that uh, while charities are becoming more active on Facebook uh, and uh, are certainly collecting their supporters on Facebook, it's often a question of what do you do with those uh, those new relationships that are not really maybe donors yet aren't really relationships, and this is one of those plugins that can give give uh, those supporters or those people who say they like you on Facebook something. Active that they can do that doesn't necessarily uh, break one of the uh, nonprofit coaches' cardinal rules, uh, and that is uh, doing things that look like donations that really aren't donations. Um, yeah. So this is a that that people can be supportive without necessarily telling them that they've made a donation when charities really need the gift as well. Absolutely, no, that's a good point. Um, basically, you know. It, it takes no effort on the side of the user. You know, it's all automatic and boom, bottle donate as they purchase. And so many people are signed up for these kind of discount flash sale sites anyway. So it's just a way to kind of utilize behavior that's already happening and allow them to support a cause at the same time. So. Well, that's great. Um, well, Emily with uh, Bloomspot, you're at uh, bloomspot.com. This certainly uh, looks like a nice additional opportunity uh, for nonprofits. I, I understand you're going to be uh, working with us to get more information out to uh, uh, to charities so that they can really understand how this can become part of their social networking and per particularly their Facebook strategy for their organization. So, Emily, thank you for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, is uh, still here on page one, is you'll find a link uh, over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Uh, we talk a lot about Google Grants, and this is certainly something that we promote uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach as a way to expand your budget and expand uh, your strategy for uh, both social networking and website. Uh, and we do encourage charitable organizations to seek grants at Google com forward slash grants. But to not race in and apply for those grants, but to learn about uh, Google AdWords campaigns first, to become really good at what you do. And one of the ways that you can do that is to learn from others. And I knew uh, just yesterday posted uh, on Google Grants uh, is a new testimonial, and this comes to us from the Natural Resources Defense Council. Uh, and it's a nice description of how Kim Rainey, the senior online marketing associate over at the Natural Resources Defense Council has utilized their Google grant to expand uh, both the base and the brand of that organization. So we do encourage you to go over to the radio links today at tedhartradio.com. Click on the radio links for today's show, and you can not only learn all about Google Grants uh, in the left-hand corner, uh, you can see where you can read about guidelines and you can read about how to apply, but most importantly, let's learn from those testimonials, and bravo to the Natural Resources Defense Council uh, for their work on their Google Grant. Uh, next up and last that I have here on uh, page one of the nonprofit coach today uh, is an impressive blog uh, that coming to us from Canada, and I think that uh, certainly the advice on uh, this particular link is uh, apropos to our Canadian listeners. Uh, but I also think that it's important for our American listeners and others around the world uh, to uh, be able to learn uh, from this particular link. And I thought this was interesting. Four items not to include in board of directors meeting minutes. Uh, and uh, this comes to us from Ingrid uh, Zacharias uh, from the Envisioning the Future International. Uh, .ca blog, uh, and what's uh, being shared with you here is a lot of privacy issues, but also thinking uh, about, and I lecture a lot about this particularly in my private Building a Powerful Board that can fundraise uh, lectures that I give, is the need to understand the power uh, of your board minutes and to understand that that is the legal record of decisions that are made by your organization and how important it is that you have those minutes not only done, but what should, and in case of this particular blog posting, what should not be included in your board of directors meeting minutes. So you can read all about that, some very good advice, thought-provoking uh, of things to not include uh, in your 
uh, in your board minutes. And you can read all about that over at the radio link at tedhartradio.com. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach is page two. <laughs> Well, don't forget that you can call in for our page two expert today at 347-324-3080. Make sure that you press one and you can raise your hand. I already see people there on the switchboard. Hang tight. We'll be right with you with our page two expert, and that is Steve Delphin. Steve Delphin is the president and chief executive officer of America's Charities. You can find them online at charities.org. America's Charities is a leading workplace giving solution. Uh, provider, they deliver innovation and technology to payroll deduction charitable giving campaigns. Uh, Steve Delphin is a long-standing uh, recognized national expert in workplace giving. Uh, Steve and I go way back in uh, his chairmanship of the eFilanthropy Foundation. I can tell you this is a gentleman who not only understands technology but understands the importance of technology in helping nonprofits. Welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, Steve Delphin. Hey, Ted, how are you doing today? Hey, Steve, great to have you here on the Nonprofit Coach All-Important Day here in the United States. This is the midterm elections. I know you've got a lot going on as charities begin preparing uh, for those workplace giving campaigns. So tell us about workplace giving, but also specifically what uh, America's Charities offers to organizations looking for workplace giving. Absolutely, Ted. Well, we're a, a national membership organization, so we actually represent about 80 national charities. They range in size from organizations that your uh, audience will know from uh, Feeding America, Amnesty International, Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, folks like that, Goodwill Industries, to smaller but growing groups like Dress for Success and Wounded Warriors Project. And what we do is uh, we represent them to employers, and that could be either private sector employers, companies, or public sector, uh, state, local governments, federal government, and try to get them access into, into workplace giving campaigns. So that's our primary uh, uh, business model. We represent them. But we also work very closely with the employer and with the expanding world of, of workplace giving in, on the corporate side. Uh, as your audience probably knows, that's an area uh, that has been dominated for many years by uh, United Way, who's done a wonderful job. Uh, over the years, but they have, uh, in many communities, United Ways have changed direction and are focusing less on raising money for their member charities and more um, operating like a community foundation, which we think is fine, but we also think uh, creates an opportunity for growth in the marketplace and an opportunity for some new ways of thinking about workplace philanthropy. And, and what uh, help, help us understand uh, what can our listeners do uh, if they're they're not part of a federation or they're interested in looking at workplace giving? Are there aspects of your work or are there ways for them to become part of a federation that can work with you? Uh, yes, there are actually several um, workplace giving federations that exist. We uh, at America's Charities we represent kind of a broad cross-section of typical organizations that you would not find in your, in your typical local United Way campaign. Uh, they tend to be national in scope but have lots of local footprint on the ground. And many of our organizations are kind of activist and advocacy organizations, so oftentimes uh, they are the hardest to find funding for through a local United Way. However, there are other federations that your members could either – that your listeners could either um, contact – uh, for information, or if they represent small charities, uh, maybe be able to become partners of. One of them is EarthShare. EarthShare, obviously, um, is the environmental charities. Another is Community Health Charities, which represents most of the significant um, health charities in the, in the country. And the third is a group called Global Impact, which would represent organizations like CARE and others that are U.S.-based charities but facing uh, the international world for the work they do. 
Steve, that uh, brings us to an important question. We actually have a, a question over in the chat room today uh, from an international group in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, and Patrick over in Barcelona is asking, what about international donations to U.S. charities? Uh, can those be made using workplace giving as well? So I, I think maybe this is uh, folks who are with U.S. companies that are, that are stationed overseas. How can they access workplace giving in the U.S.? Well, the first thing you should do is, is determine if your employer uh, actually has a workplace giving campaign. If it's a U.S.-based company that, is, uh, uh, that has employees overseas. Uh, we at America's Charities actually work with several companies that are in that situation. And we have been able to uh, develop, uh, through technology, develop programs where those employees can tie back into their uh, the domestic workplace giving program here in the, in the United States and give to those charities that are either members of America's Charities or if a company has other charities in their campaign, be able to give to the charities of their choice. That's great. Um, I do want to just make a programming note here. We uh, did have a couple of folks uh, in the switchboard who wanted to ask questions, and it looks like you got uh, dropped off. So please call back in at 347-324-3080. I think there are some server issues over at Blog Talk Radio today. We've never run into that before, so I'm going to blame it on Election Day and probably a lot of traffic on their service uh, for talk radio today. Um, so, Steve, uh, back to uh, you had raised an issue a little bit earlier, and I'm just curious um, how the United Ways move away from funding charities to funding issues, which we've seen over the last few years, um, has been received by charities and employers because that really, uh, you know, I, I feel a lot of tension with charities that I provide uh, counsel to regarding the United Way. Uh, this seems to make it worse. Well, let me first say that, you know, I, I worked in the United Way system for the first 13 years of my career, so I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with um, how the system has evolved and, and, and where it came from and, and where I think it is, it's going. And the United Ways have done, you know, a, a very fine job of raising uh, lots and lots of money for many charities over the years. I mean, they're, 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 they raise almost $4 billion collectively each year to this day. The, the challenge has been that over the years, uh, a local United Way in a typical community would be raising money and then redistributing it back to its, quote, member charities. And those member charities on an annual basis could count on getting plus or minus a few percent, you know, basic dollars that help them keep the lights on, pay the insurance, you know, do all the, keep all the little things uh, in place that will allow them to then have greater impact in a community. Well, what United Way has been strategically moving to towards the last three years is away from funding charities to creating areas that they call impact areas. And so identifying two or three issues or four in a community and saying, we are going to put all the money that we raise from employees towards these issues. And what's occurred is the pot hasn't grown since 2000, the pot of money, the amount of money United Ways have raised has remained basically the same. So you have a reallocation of the same amount of money that now those same charities have to compete for on an annual basis in the form of a grant. So it's done three things. It's taken away the sustaining, annualized, unrestricted gift. It has kind of eliminated the employee's choice to give who and where they want to give. And third, it is not a sustainable it's taken away the sustainability of those gifts for those local charities who now have to go elsewhere to seek those funds so they can have the impact the united way is looking for so that's the the challenge and the dilemma and what we hear from charities here in washington dc for example where where we're located uh we have we have 24 local charities who've left the local united way and moved over to our federation because they want to be able to to raise those dollars in a, in a way that's unrestricted, not connected to criteria that they now have to compete against. Well, Steve, let, I mean, let, let's, let's, let's call this what it is. I mean, I, I, I understand the way that uh, uh, the United Way has sort of spun this, and this is not in any way meant to be anti-United Way, but one of the movements that, that really took off several years ago, um, and we're seeing this across the Internet, and, and I believe is here to stay, uh, is that donors do want donor choice. They do want to be able to direct their giving, and they're certainly willing to be part of, and, and in fact, a lot of them like to be part of associated and federated campaigns where they can see their giving now multiplied uh, with their colleagues. 
But I think that what's really happened in, in moving to, towards issues away from funding charities is that the local United Way, oftentimes business leadership, didn't like giving up the control of that money. They didn't like donors uh, directing where they wanted that money to go. And so they moved to these issue areas, which puts it right back to we'll make the decisions we know what's best. And I'm not sure that's always fair. Well, you know, in a historical perspective, Ted, that's where United Ways actually started. People, and maybe uh, your audience might not recall, but I recall that United Way started as community chess and councils. Um, the, the fundraising part came later. The fundraising part of United Way actually was spawned by technology, believe it or not. The technology that spawned United Way payroll giving was the technology that spawned um, automated uh, uh, checks for um, uh, for companies to be able to an automatic deposit for their employees. So and and when labor unions also started automatic withdrawal for for the labor union dues. So, but before that, United Way was a community um, was the community chest and appeals where they would look at uh, the broad needs of the community, identify them, and then try to raise unrestricted monies that they would then collect and they would decide which charities get them. Over time, that group of charities was consistent and they were able to give money to them. But what they've done, this is kind of a back to the future strategy, which is, as you suggested, very inconsistent with where the donor is these days. And that, you know, what we do is our, we're an advocate for the donor. We believe donors should have the right to give to whatever charities they choose to give to. What we provide for employers is a group of vetted charities that meet certain key standards. Uh, however, if an employer or an employee wants another charity in the campaign or wants to give to another charity, we move funds beyond our 80 members to 4,000 other charities. We'll move money to whatever charity an employee designates. And, you know, not to go on too long, but the reason workplace giving is and remains important is because the average workplace gift is five times larger than a gift typically given online and a gift given through other forms of fundraising. So it's still very viable and uh, and something that employers are, are trying to rethink in how they're going to execute these kinds of programs. Yeah, and, and Steve, this is this brings up such an important issue that we've discussed here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, in the past, and that is my, my view, my perspective, uh, that uh, all fundraisers need to be a donor's advocate. All funders need to uh, keep in mind, uh, you know, what the donor's intent is rather than trying to structure things in such a way that they just gain power or gain control by having those dollars. And, and that certainly seems the direction that you're going in. I, I applaud you for doing that. Uh, as always, uh, listeners, you can call in to 347-324-3080 to ask a question of our page two uh, guests. You also can uh, ask questions over in the chat room or email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. And, uh, Steve, we do have a caller, so uh, call your live here on the Nonprofit Goats. Go ahead. You're live with Steve Delphin and Ted Hart. Hi. Um, how is social media affecting workplace giving? That's a very good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I think in two ways. Number one is um, if you've worked in a company that's had a workplace giving program, you, you may have noticed in the past that those campaigns t tend to be very low-tech, paper-based um, kinds of campaigns. And what we're seeing and what we're starting to implement and counsel employers to do is to integrate social media, specifically connecting to the charities that have a strong um, web presence. And for example, we will work with a company to, to, to link to all the charities' um, public awareness building YouTube sites. Um, you know, fundraising is about telling stories, and fundraising is, while it's person-to-person, -person, it's face-to-face -face often, oftentimes that can always happen. And so where social media comes in is more and more companies are looking to how do we link to the information that's available to us on the Internet about these charities? How do we connect our employees to the tools and resources that are available through social media to vet these charities, whether that's GuideStar or uh, the charity rating groups or, as I said, the charity's own website? You know, Many of our members are highly sophisticated around social media and using that for both outreach and public awareness. So there is definitely a trend towards uh, the increased use of social media, 
And then on the donor side, if you have an employee population that wants to get behind a cause in a workplace giving campaign, you are seeing lots of viral marketing even within the context of a company to, for, for um, employees to try to influence their coworkers to support a charity that they're involved with. And of course, that you know that's why Facebook is growing so much, and, and other social networking sites like uh, LinkedIn. So it's a it's a natural way that uh, employees are already communicating and linking with each other. So, um, Steve, of course, we we started our uh, uh, knowledge of each other and our work together um, when we both were uh, supporting the E Philanthropy Foundation. So tell us in the workplace giving, as you said, it, it, it used to be, or or in some ways still is very paper-driven, uh, sort of very old technology. What's happening and what do you see for the future of uh, charitable organizations engaged in workplace giving? Well, in our case, we were actually the first of the national charity federations to employ a technology solution for workplace giving. Uh, we created something called a Pledge First, which uh, when I was at the consulting firm of Booz Allen Hamilton, Booz Allen worked with us on pro bono to develop the strategy. So in about 2002, we, we actually had a, an online giving tool that we could take to companies that we could say to them, we, we can tie into your payroll, we can create splash pages for each of your employees, we can per using technology, we can more personalize and more streamline the giving process. So we started doing that in 2002. There have since been other companies and organizations that have emerged in that market. But what why it is important for the future is because as employers continue to be pinched around non-revenue producing activities, everything we can do to help them do workplace employee giving in a way that is both more efficient, yet at the same time more personal, while eliminating the pressure and coercion that exists in many United Way campaigns, while also opening up the possibility of choice. That's what we hear from employers and what they want. And so they're looking for, they're looking for um, solutions to what have become kind of humdrum, you know, rote workplace giving campaigns and looking to, for a way to empower employees to use the technology to make those campaigns better. And that really is important, of course. It, it sets America's charities uh, apart, but it also, uh, I think, is important for charities to be asking those questions as they're looking to work in workplace giving and reaching out to employers that, that are adding it, uh, workplace giving is, is this likely to succeed? And I think part of succeeding is, is it going to be relevant uh, to the way that employees are communicating right now? Absolutely, Ted. Um, Steve, I'm going to ask you to uh, hang on there. We're going to take uh, just a, a little bit of a, a station break here and uh, uh, give some information on volunteerism, uh, which I think is very important. We want to highlight that here on the Nonprofit Coach, and I, I know that's a big part of how workplace giving uh, actually comes about are those volunteers within the organization. So hang tight. We'll be right back here. You're here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, with Ted Hart, and our page two expert today is Steve Delphin. <laughs> clip here for all you Gleeks out there. Uh, those are uh, uh, listeners and supporters and watchers of uh, the Fox show Glee. Uh, and this is a, a little clip to remind us how important volunteerism is. From the rainforests of South America to the classrooms of our inner cities, from the Purple Mountain's majesty to the fruity plain with amber waves of whatever, we could fight to make the world a better place if we only knew why. Think about it. What do animals do except poof on your lawn and make you feel guilty about how delicious they are? Why should children be burdened by the tyranny of reading? Words are hard. The arts? They don't need your support. What artists do need is soap. Seriously, the next time you meet an artist, smell it. I swear they rub their armpits with onions. People are always saying, get involved. Well, to them I say, sure, I'll take a stand for as long as it takes me to find a comfy chair. That feels good. That, of course, is a... Uh 
pretty creative campaign that uh, comes to us from the American Express Giving Project. Uh, that's the character Sue Sylvester. And part of that uh, American Express uh, project is, uh, uh, in this case, to remind us not to be a Sue, uh, that in fact we all have an obligation uh, to help others. You know, next up here I just want to share with you on the Nonprofit Coaches a little scheduling news for the month of November. So uh, get your pens and calendars out. Our next show is a very important show. That's going to be right here on the Nonprofit Coach, 12 noon Eastern, next Tuesday, November 9th. It will be our Green Tech Show. We'll have the experts from uh, TechSoup's Green Tech. We're going to be talking all about how you can be environmentally sensitive, do a better job with your technology, and understand all of the details for that. And, of course, that's part of our work in support of greennonprofits.org. So check that out at Ted Hart Radio. Com. You'll see the show uh, for next week. The week after that, uh, we're, the nonprofit coach is actually going to be in Europe. We're going to be speaking uh, at the Dutch National Conference, so there will not be, uh, will not be, so please mark uh, your calendars. There will not be a show on November 16th. Then we're going to be coming back, and we're going to have a little bit of a date change on November 22nd. Uh, we're going to be live here at 12 noon, same time, different date. It's a Monday that week. We're moving the show to Monday because the uh, Thursday of that week is the U.S. holiday of Thanksgiving. So we uh, want to wish everybody an early Thanksgiving, and this is the month of Thanksgiving. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk to Steve Dolphin a little bit more about how uh, workplace giving can be used to offer thanks to our communities. And then the, uh, the last week of the month, uh, sorry to say, there's going to be two weeks this month that we don't have a show, uh, and that is there will also not be a show on November 30th, and that is that we'll, the nonprofit coach will be up in Toronto uh, speaking at the AFP uh, uh, Toronto Conference, which is the largest national fundraising conference uh, in Canada. Uh, so as we come out of the break, I want to remind everybody that you can call in at 347 324 3080, uh, ask a question of our page two expert. We're still over in the chat room. You can ask questions there or email us at tedhart at tedhart.com. <laughs> During the break, we talked uh, about volunteerism. Can you talk to us a little bit uh, more about how employees uh, can work with their favorite charities to get them actively involved in workplace giving? Absolutely, Ted. The uh, you know, it, it, volunteerism is, is ultimately what leads to to action, and, and oftentimes we see that uh, um, the the charities that benefit in workplace giving campaigns are those that have. Uh, managed to connect in a very um, connected way with employees in a, in a particular workforce. Many companies um, offer opportunities for their employees to to get involved as as volunteers. Many actually provide financial incentives for like dollars for doers types of programs. But what we see in in in, in most of the employers we work with today, the connectedness to technology is the use of technology to connect their employees to the volunteer opportunities that are available in their local community. And, and they do that in a variety of ways. Some have created their own volunteer um, uh, databases. Others have tied into uh, Volunteer Match. Others have worked with, uh, with, with local initiatives. But uh, as an employee, the way to and – if you, and if you're a younger employee and haven't decided what your cause or organization you want to support is yet – you, know, you should be checking with your employer to see if you can get time off to do volunteer activities. And if not, you know, consider this as a time of year when uh, many uh, people are looking to get involved. So uh, you know, where the technology comes into play with the companies is more and more companies are looking to give information to their employees about where and how they can volunteer online. And then many companies are also wanting to um, aggregate that information, not, not the personal experience necessarily of employees, but the amount of hours and how much time their employees are putting in the volunteer activity as a way and a metric to show how the company is being uh, socially responsible and kind of supporting their employees' individual and collective interests around volunteerism. 
And isn't that uh, really for a lot of young employees, uh, that first workplace giving campaign, while they may have given to things or supported things uh, as a kid, uh, isn't it really one of the first introductions to sort of formal uh, adult giving comes through those workplace giving campaigns? Absolutely, and 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 I, I believe, and it's unfortunate. So sometimes the first experience that a younger employee has with philanthropy is somebody asking them to give before they've asked them what they want to give to and how they'd like to be engaged. And that's the piece that I think is is so important in how the the, the progressive companies are now approaching uh, workplace giving. If you notice, I I actually say workplace philanthropy because it, it's really about employee engagement. And it's part of a broader thrust of what most progressive companies are looking at, which is how do we engage with our employees in ways that are meaningful to them and extends their abilities both at the workplace but in the community and and empowers them and and makes an employee feel a connectedness to the company as something more than a place that I just go to work and get a paycheck, but a place that enables me to do some of the things I want to do that are you know, related to the community, related to community service. You know, Ted, millennials, this is the fir- this generation of young adults is, by all accounts, the most socially conscious, the most socially responsible, and the most interested in giving back to the community of any generation since we've been keeping track of these things. The ch- what we're looking at at America's Charities is how do we engage them in a way that, you know, connects them to the workplace without some of the same barriers that used to exist. Well, and, and I think that that is important. And, Steve, what, what you just brought up, I, I think, is is one of the most important shifts. Uh, and, 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 and I'd be interested in your, your insight into this. I think that where the United Way was for a lot of years is it wasn't about really true philanthropy. It was about giving, gathering together all those gifts, and it was really about making your CEO look good. How big did that number get, and is your CEO going to have the support of his or her employees? And that's really what what it was all about. And then, you know, we started to see this donor choice, and and it became much more about the employee and what they wanted to do to support their community and how they wanted to give. And there's a lot of resistance to that in the, the workplace, giving a workplace philanthropy uh, marketplace. And now what it sounds like is with social media, with the technology that America's Charities has created, we've now come full circle to, to really, I, I guess, uh, coming into the promise that, that, that you've mentioned here, and that is to make this true philanthropy uh, as opposed to just an expectation to give. Uh, I think you've hit a very key point there, but uh, but I don't want to – I think leadership in employee giving is important, um, and, and, but I think it's a different type of leadership. The kind of leadership you mentioned was the leadership you'd see in the 70s and 80s where a campaign would re, be, be structured. The CEO would say, I've made my fair share pledge. He would line up all, his, all of his or her lieutenants, and they would do the same, and, and down would, would cascade the requests for money. 100% participation goals would be the norm. Um, those things are passe, and they need to be totally rethought. 100% participation is not voluntary. There's, you cannot have mandatory giving. It's an oxymoron. So what we suggest to companies is there are best practice campaigns that, that employ the best aspects of leadership, and leadership can come from all kinds of levels in a company, and leadership can go up as well as come down. It needs to, it, it needs to get, we need to get away from these more coercive, you know, thermometer goal, I'm going to pit my, my, my department against your department. Friendly competition is one thing, but to make that a, a kind of a mandatory exchange. So t- to your point about kind of being the, uh, the club of CEOs, I think that that evolved over many years and, in fact, has become less important now than than a company's leadership understanding what its employees are looking for out of these campaigns and how they can engage with them in ways that, that are based on communication and based on, at the bottom line, trying to make sure that – let's not forget about what we're talking about here – the money's raised – get to the charities that the donor intended to in the most efficient and effective way possible. And, and, and what are some of the best practices that, uh, that 
that, uh, that that you see um, from your charities? Uh, you, you mentioned sure. a couple of federations that you work well, with. Is there something well, in the innovative right now that's working? Well, in the workplace, in terms of innovative uh, uh, employee fundraising campaigns, that believe it or not, uh, the, the companies that do the best job, or the employers, because there's a lot of public sector campaigns like the combined federal campaign, they're the ones that actually still run an organized campaign. So there is a focused period of time during the year when people are thinking about how do we help our employees generate maximum dollars through payroll giving for the charities they're interested in. But in the broader context of that, what we try to bring to the table and what we see in best practices are how, how does that connect to the information employees need to make to be educated about the choices? How do we bring into the workplace the charities that are available for the organization, for the people, for the employees to support in a way that they can actually get service from those charities? Let's take a look at the times we're in. We're in the throes of and hopefully coming out of the worst recession we've had in our lifetimes. Many people who used to be givers are now in need of the help that the charities that they gave to before provide. So is there a way to begin to connect employees more directly to the resources that these charities have in a local market? So it's a full circle, and it's a, it's a year-round activity so that it's not just give now because it's the fall time of season to give to, to your, your favorite causes, but provides the context, the information, and all the things that technology allow you to do now in an efficient, effective way so that people are making charitable choices based on information they've gathered and participation they've had as volunteers on a year-round basis. Terrific. And callers that are listening, don't forget you can call into 347-324-3080 to ask questions uh, of Steve Delphin, our page two expert. Make sure you press number one to raise your hand and let me know that you would like to ask a question. And, Steve, we do have a caller. Uh, caller, you're here live on the Nonprofit Coach uh, with Ted Hart, and our page two expert is Steve Delphin. Go ahead, caller. Hi. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Uh, and you're live Nonprofit Coach. Okay, terrific. Thank you. So the question then from the nonprofit perspective is, how can they get the conversation started? Does it have to be first through management in the organization, or can they start working directly with the employees, uh, communicating with them, and starting that relationship? So how does that, from the nonprofit's perspective, how does that get started? You know, that, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And I just came from an event here in Washington, D.C. last week called Companies for Causes. And here in Washington, the entire event was designed around trying to get mid-sized company CEOs more engaged with, more, um, with local charities in ways that were <clears throat> not just as <clears throat> leadership and to be on the masthead of the organization, but so that they could identify those local charities that may be of interest to their employees. Now, from the charity's perspective, I think there's a number of things you can, you can do. Number one is most uh, companies have somebody responsible for community relations or community outreach. Uh, those people usually meet in a marketplace on a regular basis through either regional grantmaker groups AFP, other organizations have venues where you can go and, and, and meet those folks. However, if you have a volunteer core and you have an employee advocate in the company, that's always your best way to go. Uh, when I was at Booz Allen Hamilton, we um, and I was running their community relations and contributions programs, uh, we, would put, we put out a, a call for volunteers to help the Special Olympics manage their winter games in northern Virginia. We needed 16 volunteers to help with bowling events and some indoor track events and things like that. I put out an email looking for volunteers. I received over 1,000 employees responding who were interested, 1,000, the vast majority of them under the age of 30. So it, it told me, A, that I have a network of folks I needed to engage back with Special Olympics that they were unaware of, but B, it made me wonder how many other groups of employees have an affinity for a cause or an issue. You shouldn't be shy about leveraging those employee advocates you have in companies to raise awareness among their peers. And, and one way to do that would be if you have an employee who has an advocate and you, that, that company has a giving campaign, 
to rally a group of their employees around giving to your cause, and then you rise up on the radar for that company as somebody they might want to showcase and partner with. I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you, caller. That's uh, really a, a terrific uh, uh, question. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. As I said before, you can uh, call in uh, here at 347-324-3080. We just have a few moments here uh, left with uh, Steve Delphin, uh, who is a national expert on workplace giving and serves as president and chief executive officer of America's Charities. Uh, when, when you're thinking about employee uh, giving uh, and, uh, as you say, workplace uh, philanthropy, what, what about the, the, the benefits to, to the employee? Is it, is it just enough uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, be giving and give the opportunity to give, uh, or are employers getting creative about inspiring giving with other benefits? Well, we're seeing we're seeing a combination of, of both those things, Ted. Number one, we're seeing more and more employers looking at ways to incent their employees to become as volunteers. And one of the ways many employers do that is through matching gifts. So if you are giving to a charity that you're engaged with, you know, sometimes you'll be able to double or, in the case of some large companies, even triple uh, that gift by uh, making it through payroll deduction. But I think the you know the, the real question here is, is 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 you know what 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 benefits do both the employer and the employees derive by becoming involved in in community service and volunteerism and by giving and you know it really gets to the core of kind of of, of corporate social responsibility um as companies are recognizing that there is a competitive advantage in the marketplace to being recognized as a socially responsible company and 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 that goes beyond philanthropy. That goes to how do you treat your employees? Do you have an on-site daycare center? Um, or do you provide flex time for your working moms and dads? Um, do you still maintain your health care benefits despite the impact it might have on your on your bottom line with your with the, on the stock market? All those things are starting to come into play. And and I think employers have. I think we finally have gone past the tipping point of whether or not social responsibility and companies acting responsibly around philanthropy, beyond that being a point of discussion. There are some people who still think business's only job is business. You know, I, I think that we're past that discussion. Those who continue to hang on to that idea are woefully misguided and totally out of sync with where their employers and where America is today. But the way that you can uh, engage with your with your employer is of benefit not only to you and to them because right now, with people not being able to move because they can't sell their homes, the workforce is becoming more stagnant where it exists. And so sometimes it's difficult to pick up some of the skills you might need to make a change in, in your career or life. Volunteerism is a way to gain core competencies you might not have or to test those that you'd like to try to have. So, for example, if you're not a great presenter or speaker, you could actually sign up and become part of a speaker's bureau for a local charity to take their word out to the community. So there's lots of ways that uh, employees... So it's, it's that multiple, that sort of menu uh, effect, keeping an, an eye out uh, uh, here on the, the, the uh, clock, Steve. Just a very quickly, last uh, big question here in terms of what you see the future uh, bringing. Uh, we certainly see some companies that, that are very philanthropic and, and others maybe... Uh, that are not. You mentioned competitive edge. Does that competitive edge come uh, with philanthropy, or is it choosing one uh, cause and sort of making a big show of that cause? What, what do you see as the future in uh, in just about a minute here left on the nonprofit coach? I just had that discussion with a, with a group of CEOs. Here's the trend: you're seeing more and more companies in terms of picking a, a one cause to be connected with at the corporate level moving in that direction, one cause or issue, and usually it's one that somehow relates to either their core philosophy or their, or their core business. However, more and more companies are recognizing while they might go that direction and have a deep partnership with one or two charities around cause marketing and things of that nature, they are also recognizing that that does not replace, nor should that be in lieu of giving their employees 
the right and the ability to give to whatever causes they want to give to. So they are not mutually exclusive strategies. It's not one or the other. They can, they can coexist and are coexisting in today's uh, corporate philanthropy. That's great. Well, Steve Delphin, thank you so much. Hard to believe how quickly the time uh, went by today. Thank you to our callers, uh, those in the chat room uh, and those uh, who emailed in today. Don't forget, uh, next uh, up here on the Nonprofit Coach, we'll be back next week, uh, November 9th. We will have our big green technology uh, show here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Steve, thank you for being our Page 2 guest today. Thank you. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.